to any of our messages, but last Sunday we began to share with you some thoughts on this topic, a Christian world view. It's so important to me as your pastor that our church, that our church family, have the proper perspective on life and have a worldview that is guided by God's spirit and that is guided by God's word. So follow along as I read beginning with verse 1. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. There's a lot of truth in verse 1 and we're going to perhaps circle back to that and some point in the days to come. But I want us to look at verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, test, demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible says here, be not conformed to this world. Now, last Sunday, we looked at a couple of other passages that says that specifically we are not to love the world. And if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And we are enemies, we are at enmity with God when we're in love with the world. So what does the Bible teach about this idea of the Christian in relationship to our world. Well, when the Bible says, be not conformed to the world or love not the world, the Bible is not, as we said last Sunday, it's not talking about like the planet. Now, I'm not like a tree hugger, you know, environmentalist kind of guy, but I think we ought to be good stewards of God's creation. And I look at it more as stewardship of God's creation. But we're not to, but when he says love not the world or if you love the world you're an enemy with God and things like that, he's not talking about the planet. Sometimes the word world in the Bible is used to describe the planet earth. But the Bible says in Acts 17 verse 24 that God made the world and all things in it. And by the way, when he made it, he said it is good. So whenever the Bible says we're not to love the world, he's not talking about the planet. And he's not talking about the people because we all know that, you know, John 3, 16, for example, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and in that context, the word world is talking about the people. So sometimes the word world talks about the planet. Sometimes the word world talks about the people. And whenever he says, don't be conformed to the world, love not the world, don't be a friend of the world. He's not talking about earth. He's not talking about the people. You say, well, what is he talking about? Well, we discovered last Sunday that he's talking about a system. It, it is an organization. It is an opinion. It is an attitude. It is a perspective. It's hard to give a specific definition because generally he's talking about a way of thinking. When he says, don't be conformed to this world. In fact, he even identified, listen, Jesus identified the devil himself as the prince of this world. Whenever he's talking about the world, when he says, be not conformed to this world, he's talking about this attitude, this disposition that sort of sets itself 
against a holy God. It, it, it's an it's a organized system of thinking that is anti-righteousness, that is anti-godliness, that is anti-holiness. And all you have to do is go to work and go to school and, and, and watch TV and just live, and you will see that there are some people who are guided by a whole different way of thinking than you are. And, and, and those people who do not know the Lord, they're guided by this worldly way of thinking that does not take into consideration holiness and righteousness and truth from God's word. Sometimes you hear people say things or you watch them do things. You think, how can you do that? Or how could you say something so dumb? It's like they don't even see things the way we see things. Now, Jesus said we're to be in the world, and we are in the world. We can't avoid that. But we're not to be of the world. Sort of like a boat on water, right? A boat can be in the water, but not necessarily of the water. You get water in the boat, and you got issues, you know? Um, and, and so we're talking now about being, be, to, to not be conformed to this world. Now, in 1 John, we get a little more clear definition. So, and, and I know this is a little deep, some of these truths I want to share with you, but, but we need to go there. So let's look, if you will, in 1 John chapter 2. And I want you to look in verse 15. Now, he gives a little definition to this world, to this world system. So we're getting, it's sort, of like a, uh, it's sort of like a telescope, you know. As we look at what the Bible is saying here, we're focusing. And we're getting, it's getting a little more and more clear as you go a little deeper into the word. So in 1 John chapter 2, he says this in verse 15. And, and it's the same concept of be not conformed to the world, okay? He says, love not the world. Now, that's pretty clear, right? Neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here he describes now what constitutes, what makes up, what feeds this, this attitude, this opinion, this system, this organized system that Jesus said the devil was the prince of. He said he's the prince of this world. And this is, what he, this is what, how he defines it. He says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And then verse 17 really puts everything in perspective when he said, this world is passing away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. Now as believers, we're in this world, but we're not to be of this world. We're, we're pilgrims passing through. You know, as a little boy, we used to, we used to sing a hymn um, Oh, my So It just came to me. I hadn't even thought about this in years, <laughs> um, maybe a decade. So I don't even know if I can get the words right or even the title right. But Becky, you might could help me remember. It was in the old Broadman hymn book. You know, I remember singing out the old Broadman hymn book. There was a song that said, uh, I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger 
passing through this, this world. I, I can't even remember the words, but you, some of y'all remember that song. How many remember that song? I just want to make sure I'm not the, okay, see? Yeah. I, some of y'all just showed your age. Yeah. I want you to know, I, I had a birthday day before yesterday, a couple of days ago. It was my birthday. I don't feel a day over 85 years old. I want you to <laughs> um, <laughs> But we're passing through. But, but n- notice, notice now, um, notice what he said. Um, as he gave definition to the word. I want us to go back to verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then he specifically said, these things are not of the world. Now, let me, let me define what he's saying here. First of all, the word lust that he uses here, it's not talking about just fleshly. Like, you know, we talk, like Jesus was talking about it when he was talking about sexual immorality. It's just a word that means desire here. Um. And he says, the, the desires of the flesh. And when he talks about flesh, he's, he's not talking about the skin that we have on our bones. Uh, because your body is not evil. God made your body. As a matter of fact, we just read a moment ago that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Uh, whenever the Bible uses the word flesh here and in some of the other uh, epistles of the New Testament... It is really the Bible's cryptic language to refer to our old nature that we received from Adam, our sinful nature, that proclivity, that tendency to sin. That is referred to, to disobey God. Whenever there's just something you know, that, that leads us to disobey God, it, 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 it sometimes is just our own self, that old self-centered selfish nature that we inherited from Adam. Now, for some of you in the younger generation, this will mean absolutely nothing to you. But you know, uh, some of us uh, older, older ones, um, there's, people have a tendency to always blame sinful actions, sinful attitudes on the devil. So for all you people that are much older than me, who said the devil made me do it? Flip Wilson. I said the word Flip Wilson, that wouldn't mean anything to most of you, but there was a television show that came on when we were, well, when it was black and white, I don't know. But, but he, always, he would always say the devil made me do it. Did you know most of the time when you sin, the devil's not the one making you do it? I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to enlighten Flip, but the truth is sometimes we just sin because it's our sinful nature and we chose to sin. This is what Galatians says. Um, keep your hand in 1 John, we'll come back to that. But I want you to look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So see, it's using the same terminology. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other that you cannot do the things that you would. And Paul's saying that 
as believers, now most of you are Christians, not all of you, but most of you are believers in the Lord Jesus. We have two natures. We have the old nature and we have the new nature. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's become a new creation. We get a new nature. And, and what Paul is saying here in Galatians is that inside of us, you have this battle going on. The flesh, the old nature, the, the, what we call the Adamic nature, the nature we receive from Adam, that, that love for sin, that tendency to disobey God. And then we've got the Holy Spirit, our spiritual nature, who wants us to please God, to, to make ourselves, and not just to please God, but to make ourselves available for the blessings of God. To, to, to make ourselves channels for the power of God. Well, the, the old nature doesn't like that, and the new nature is in us, and, and so we've got this battle. The flesh is that nature we receive from our first birth. The Holy Spirit, the spiritual nature is that that we receive from our second birth, and inside every believer, there's that war going on. It's, uh, and, I, and you want to know who's going to win? In, in, on any given day, in any situation or decision that you're faced with, it's going to be the one you feed the most. Whichever nature you, you give the most attention to. The Bible does not teach sinless perfection. Christians, listen, we still, we're living in the world, we still sin. But it's not that spiritual nature that makes us sin. I've told, I've shared with y'all before as a believer. Listen, I sin all I want to sin. Did you know that as a Christian? I, I, I do, I sin all I want to sin. As a matter of fact, I sin more than I want to sin. As a matter of fact, I don't want to sin. You see, whenever I got saved, God changed my want to. Any Christian can sin as much as you want to sin, but, it, but if, if God hasn't changed your want to, if God hasn't changed your desire, if there's not that new nature then you may want to revisit your own personal relationship with Jesus, your salvation. The Bible makes it clear that we're not going to be finished with this old flesh until, well, until we're translated, until we go to glory. Until we have new bodies. Being, I'm telling you, being a Sunday school teacher doesn't take the old nature away. Being a member of the choir won't take the old nature away. Being a Baptist preacher won't take the old nature away. You see, God has given to all of us God-given desires. Uh, there's a des we all have a desire to eat, right? Some of you got a desire to eat right now, so preacher, get out on time. We have a desire for rest. We have a desire for companionship. God gives to our bodies, to our lives, certain desires. We have a desire for security, for sexual expression. All of these God gave to us and he says they're good. But now the flesh nature, the old nature, he tells us to take good desires 
and to satisfy them in unholy or ungodly way. And that's what the world does. They're constantly putting pressure on us. They, the world knows, the devil knows what our desires are. So there's constant pressure to satisfy those desires in ways that are not consistent with God's word. And therefore, we get robbed of blessings of God. You take the, the simple desire for rest. All of us have a desire just to rest every now and then, right? Rest and relaxation. But then, and, and parenthetically, I'm going to be away next Sunday for that purpose. And uh, Brother John Frazier is going to be your preacher. So you're going to get a wonderful uh, message. But, but all of us have a desire but you know what the devil does? The flesh, he'll come along and he'll exaggerate that or he'll pervert it or distort it. And the next thing you know, he'll take the normal God-given desire for rest and turn it into laziness. So that that's all anybody wants to do is just sort of be lazy, not be productive. You ever known anybody in the worldly system like that? Uh, hunger, hunger is a um, normal desire, but the devil can come along turn, and, and, and turn that into what? Yep, gluttony. Okay, preacher, you're starting to meddle now. The, the desires that God gives us, uh, he, he can turn them into immorality and everything else. You see, he, what, so th that's the flesh. And, and so the, when he talks about the lust of the flesh, he's talking about the desires of the flesh. And it sort of depends on which one you give the most attention to. We're in Galatians. Go to Ephesians. Um, let me show you something in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20. He said in Ephesians 4.20, You have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, that means behavior, the old man, now listen, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now here Paul is telling us, we're to put off the old man, take on, put on the new man. He's, he's sort of using the analogy, the metaphor, if you will, of, of clothing. And, and, and he says, Put off the old man and put on the new man. In other words, don't keep catering to the ways of the world, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Don't cater to that. Don't feed that. Put off the old man. Have a proper perspective, church, of who you are in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, let me see if I can help you follow what I'm trying to communicate here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, let's just look at that. Um, I 
got to find it. 2 Corinthians. That's right after 1 Corinthians. Right? All right. Look, if you will, in verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now listen to this. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, that's who we are. We are the righteousness of God in him. Now that's not prideful to say that. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We're going to talk about pride in the days to come. Because the Lord's given me a word about how detrimental and subtle that sin can be. The sin of pride. We're going to talk about that. In in fact, John went on to talk about, you know, he talks about the lust of uh, the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pride. I have never heard, and I've talked with a lot of people about struggles and weaknesses and sins and things like that. I've never heard anybody confess the sin of pride. I've never, had, I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm just so proud. It's a very subtle but a very destructive sin. We're, that's another sermon, so we'll talk about that. But, 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 but in a humble type of way, church, <laughs> we need to acknowledge who we are in Christ because it will affect our behavior. When you have the right perspective. This verse I just read says, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so many times we hear preachers tell us we need to confess our sins. We need to confess our sins. And yes, we do need to confess our sins. And we don't have to confess our sins to a priest. Well, we do confess our sins to a priest. It's the high priest, the Lord Jesus. He's the only one that we need to confess our sins to. But, but, but here's something I just want to put in the pocket of your heart this morning, okay? Why don't every now and then you try, instead of confessing your sin, which you, you need to do, but, but why don't you try confessing your righteousness? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? When you recognize who you are, and it's not your righteousness that you're bragging on, that you're proud of. It's gratitude for his righteousness in your heart. But, you know, I'm just tired of Christians walking around like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Walking around like a question mark instead of an exclamation point. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The way you dress, Paul said, put off the old man, put on the new man. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something I used to do. And I'm not going to even finish my sermon this morning, so we're going to have a part three to this, all right? (laughs) But but let me tell you something I used to do. When I was a student at Samford University, and uh, even in graduate school, let me tell you, sometimes your, your whole grade, and, and some of you know this, if you're not in college yet, you'll learn this, especially if you go to graduate school. Sometimes your whole grade will depend on one exam. 
Maybe two. Sometimes you may have a midterm exam and sometimes you may have a final. Sometimes you just have a final exam. And the whole course grade would depend on that. Now, when I was a college student, I used to, you know, I used to dress like every other college student. I mean, I'd wear flip-flops or sandals and shorts or jeans and T-shirts and jerseys and ball caps and everything else. But I want to tell you, I practiced this throughout my years as, as a student. And I know you may think this is weird, but it's just something I did because it sort of helped me. But on exam day, I would put on a coat and tie. I'd put on dress pants, put on dress shirt, put on a tie, a coat. And I'd leave Pittman Hall, that old dormitory I stayed in at Sanford, and I'd walk across campus to the building where my class was. And I, and, and I, I was the only one. I was the only student in, in my class. But I'd sit down in my coat and tie. You say, Gary, why did you do that? Well, I just wanted, listen, I didn't think dressing in a coat and tie would help my grade if I hadn't studied. I mean, I could have wore a royal robe, and if I hadn't studied, I would have flunked, okay? But I just wanted, there was something, I got up, I showered, I shaved, I put on my coat and tie, and I went, I wanted to be in my best frame of mind. I wanted to be in my best frame of mind. Of reference. I wanted to feel good about myself when I would sit down to take that exam. It just helped me. Uh, that may be weird to you and it's not necessary, but it helped me. But what I'm trying to say is this if we will put off the old man every morning and put on the new man, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it might just affect our behavior, our thought life, our attitude to remember. Who we are in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Who is more afraid of dirt? A man in overalls. And there's nothing wrong with overalls. My granddaddy wore them all the time. Nothing wrong. But who is more afraid of getting dirty? A man in overalls or a man in a white tuxedo? Who's a little more careful? And if we would just understand that that lust of the flesh there's going to be in this world, there's a constant attraction to the dirt of the world. There's a constant That's what he's talking about when he's talking about that um, lust of the flesh. Because we all have passions, we all have desires, and the world is constantly bombarding us with advertisements, with temptations, and with attractions to fulfill those passions and desires. God-given, but to fulfill them in ungodly ways. The desire of the flesh. Now, John said, that is part of the world system. And Jesus said, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Let's pray together.